0: Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. So welcome to 12 Stone. If you're not seated already, go ahead and be seated. And I wanna say it to you, maybe it's the first time you've heard it, probably not. Merry Christmas. It's Christmas season, whether you're here live at a campus, across our campuses, Merry Christmas, whether you're watching at home at one of our 12-stone home locations, in a tap room, in a coffee shop, in Spokane, Washington, in a barn, in Bethlehem, Winder, Georgia, I don't care where you are, Merry Christmas. Maybe you're watching on a treadmill right now, and you're huffing and puffing, just catch your breath, look to the guy to your right or the girl to your right, like, Merry Christmas, do it right now, make it weird, it's okay, Merry Christmas, I'm just curious, Do you have a favorite Christmas song? I do. In fact, on three, I want you to shout out your favorite Christmas song, like the one that when you hear it, it's officially Christmas season, right? On three. One, two, three. Great. You're all wrong, but great. Here's the best one. For me, it's White Christmas, the Home Alone version. You give me those notes, and I'm like, it's Christmas. I don't need a tree, I don't need stockings, it's like and I'm happy, it's good. Now here's a here's a here's a weird one. Do you have like a least favorite Christmas song? And there is a right answer. On three, tell me what your least favorite Christmas song is. You ready? You got it in your head? Here across the campuses, 12 home. Say it out loud. One, two, three. Alright, Carrie, you certainly need Jesus. That is not correct. That's in the top three. The worst Christmas song ever is Christmas Shoes. It's so depressing. It's like I'm happy, and you're listening to whatever Christmas station you're on, and it's like, thank you. And then it's like, it's so sad. I'm buying my mom Christmas shoes. What are we doing? That's not a Christmas song. It's the worst. I don't know what your song choices are completely. But we got those songs that make it feel like Christmas time. And in this season, we're, we're looking at a, a question that is really at the core of Christmas. And it's this, what is Jesus really like? That's, that's, a, that's a big question. What was Jesus really like, like really like? See, through, through history, we've got all kinds of details and historical accounts that the person of Jesus walked the earth. Like, it's not really disputed that there was a historical Jesus. Most historians accept it, believe it. Yeah, there was a person named Jesus. There's too many accounts in history, but not all historians would bow to him as Lord. See, I, I would, because there's more to Jesus than just a historical figure, someone that walked the earth at one point. Jesus, Jesus was more than that. In fact, in Mark 1, 10 and 11, the claim is made that Jesus is actually the Son of God. At his baptism, here's what here's what was said. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, a voice came from heaven and said, you are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. The claim of Jesus wasn't just as a historical figure just a dude that walked the earth, just a good guy. It was the fact that Jesus claimed to be the son of God. That's a big deal. And most most people sort of know historically that at at Christmas, Jesus was born. That's what we celebrate, Merry Christmas. And most people know the events of Easter, the death and resurrection of Jesus, and Happy Easter. We, We sort of know the bookends. But there was 33 years in between that Jesus actually walked this earth. And if I'm honest... The, as I've read scripture over the years, I've read the account of Jesus numbers of times. And in my head, I've always sort of pictured Jesus as like floating three inches across the ground. Like he, he didn't ever use the bathroom. Like I, I don't think about Jesus. That's not the way I like to picture my Jesus. But he actually lived here, like flesh and blood. And he walked for 33 years on this earth. And, and if I'm honest, there's seasons where Jesus became a two-dimensional cardboard cutout for me. Right? There's seasons where, where Jesus just became like this religious historical symbol, and I, I lost the joy of my salvation. Can, can we just have moments of honesty here? There's, there's seasons where my faith becomes mechanical, or just dutiful, or, or, or the thought that I'm sort of spiritually known. I'm just going through the motions, and listen, our prayer in this season, in this series is that Jesus would restore the joy of your salvation. I've prayed that prayer more times than I want to admit. God, I'm going through the motions, but would you restore unto me the joy of my salvation? And God's answered that prayer numbers of ways over the years, but most recently, God answered that prayer for me as I sat inside of this sort of TV series called The Chosen. It was unbelievable to watch Jesus sort of play out through the pages of Scripture, but in a medium that like messed with me. So I watched through the chosen and listen, we're not canonizing the chosen. It doesn't replace Scripture. Go read these stories for yourself. But the chosen, it brought Scripture to life for me and it restored a joy as I watched what Jesus was really like. And we have two prayers for you. Listen, if you're if you're a part of this series, we have two prayers. If you're a follower of Jesus, our prayer for you is simply this, that God would restore the joy of my salvation. Maybe you showed up and you feel like I do. It's dutiful. It's mechanical. It's just you're going through the motions and you're spiritually numb. This last season has made a lot of us spiritually numb. What if God would restore the joy of your salvation as you see what Jesus was really like? And maybe if you're spiritually unresolved, you're not a follower of Jesus yet, our prayer for you is that God would awaken me to the joy of my salvation. That would be your prayer, that God, you awaken me to the joy of salvation in Jesus. You may have never bowed to Jesus, and you've had misconceptions in your head about what Jesus was really like, and maybe the Holy Spirit would awaken you to salvation. And what what you're gonna experience at the end of the day So we're giving you an opportunity to bow your life to Jesus, and today might be the day you say yes to Jesus. Profoundly life-changing. See, as we step into today's story, we said that over the last, these next sort of three weeks now, four weeks in the series, we're going to pick a different snapshot of Jesus that's in Scripture and is portrayed in the chosen. And today I want to go ahead and just give you the big idea off the top. What is Jesus really like? He loves to restore broken things. That's what Jesus was like. He, he found great joy in restoring broken things. And today we're going to be inside of Luke chapter 5, verse 12. And if you want to follow along in scripture, grab your Bibles. We're going to literally unpack these two stories in, in Mark or Luke chapter 5. So go ahead and grab your Bibles with me. And we're going to unpack what it looked like. You see, last week we talked about Jesus. And you, you got a chance to be introduced to Jesus and the character that they, they picked for him in the Chosen. And Jesus filled up Peter's boats. We got a chance to meet the brash and brazen Peter. And then after his boats were filled, Jesus said, Peter, follow me. And he left it all behind And then he called James and John, the brothers, and said, you follow me too. Jesus is sort of building his crew. He's building his posse of disciples. And he's early on in this journey. And today, we jump into the next piece of this story. And in order to understand where we're headed today, you have to understand something historically. See, in Bible times, there was something called leprosy. And i ever never heard the term leprosy before. Yeah, leprosy was a disease back then that was incurable. It was a skin disease and it would cause the skin tissue to degenerate, to rot, and to form open sores. It was extremely painful. And here's what was almost worse. like You didn't really normally die from it. It just just attacked your skin and you'd have dead pockets of skin all over your body and they didn't have a known cure. And it was worse than just a disease because when you got leprosy, it was very contagious. since they couldn't cure it, they would literally send you into leper camps. You'd have to leave your job, your family, your friends, the place you lived, and they would segregate you out here. And you'd say, listen, you have to live out there. And the only way you can come back to humanity is if somehow the disease cures up and you go to the high priest and the priest looks at you and says, all right, the leprosy has gone. You can come back. It was a life-changing sentence. When you were declared a leper, you had leprosy. Everything changed. In fact, I want you to see from The Chosen, what would it have been like to live as someone with leprosy in biblical times? Check this out.
1: You're a liar. She was crazy. Just because I run a charity does not mean I have to buy rocks from every old lady. Charity? Just like everything Roman, it's part of business. We loan proceeds cease from criminals to the poor. And others. You're passing through. I do not recall seeing you before. I come from Tyr. The mallet is carved of maple from Sidon. The chisels are bronze. The... Trowel is thin from Phoenician ore. Mm, my, my. Why would anyone want to part with these? I'm on my way to the Dead Sea. Shalom, pilgrim. Lucky me. I do not often see items of such quality. If only they were not brought in by some stranger passing through. They weren't stolen, if that's what you're saying. Mm. I can justify... Twenty denarii. You're joking That's a fraction Of what they're worth oh. Hades and sticks I beg you Leper You are marked You couldn't just die You had to take us All to hell You won't were forbidden Within four cubits Take it and go I didn't mean you Any harm my tools were all I had left.
0: You feel the weight of that? What, what did it look like to have leprosy? Is that you, it's not just you have like a disease or a cold? You were separated, like you couldn't even do life. He was selling the tools of his trade because he had no use for them. He was trying to survive. You see, this man was experiencing the weight of brokenness. What leprosy caused in him? And this is where Jesus shows up. (laughs) This is where we get a chance to see that, listen, Jesus loves to restore broken things. In Luke chapter 5, verse 12, here's how the story starts. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, can you make me clean? Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean, and immediately the leprosy left him. In fact, I want you to see how the Chosen portrays this scene because it's just beautiful to watch how Jesus reacts to someone who's broken. And a stranger pushed out, like, don't come near us. And watch how Jesus deals with this man. Check it out.
1: It's a leper. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. It's okay. Rabbi, no. Rabbi, no. Rabbi, no. Rabbi, Rabbi. You, you no. can't no. disease. No. You. Can... Please. Please. Please don't turn away from me. I won't. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you could do. I know you can heal me if you are willing. what can I what can I ever do do not say anything to anyone you don't seek your own honor please just do me this one thing but but what do I tell people go show yourself to the priest let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded Go on your way. Who has an extra tunic? Just one of you. Just one of you. That's enough. Green is definitely your color. Oh. <laughs> Not too shabby.
0: Jesus like. He loved restoring broken things. That's what he loves to do, isn't it? That, that's that's the, the nature of Jesus is to restore that which is broken. See, that man was, was healed from leprosy, but more than that, more profound, his life was restored to him. And Did you catch the lady that was off to the side that was watching the miracle? Did you see it? See, although she's not expressly Listed in scripture, the, the makers of the chosen sort of put her in there representing what Luke 5:15 was saying. Yet the news about Jesus spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. You see, when you start restoring people. When you start healing people, you can't really hide that, right? Like that doesn't stay under the lampshade very well. That starts to leak. And they use that character to explain like, as this starts to happen, people are noticing that this is what Jesus was like. He can restore that which was broken. And once people saw that Jesus could restore, they started to bring their loved ones. They had to bring their loved ones to this Jesus who could restore broken things. In Luke 5, uh, Luke 5 17 and 19, the story continues. See, one day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They they had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. And some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. So Jesus is in a little village. He's teaching in a small little house, and here come these friends that have a, a friend who needs to be restored. I want you to see how The Chosen portrays this. It is beautiful. Check it out. So you think that because Pilate killed them, they must have
1: been worse sinners than others?
0: I know Pilate wasn't
1: doing it for that reason, but God must have been punishing them for something. No. No, God does not see some as worse than others. All must repent or perish. You know of the tower in Solon, which fell and killed the 18, yes? Of course. Do you think that they were worse than those who lived in Jerusalem? No. All must repent or perish. I'm out of pistachios, walnuts, bread, and water. Can you please go next door and ask Deborah for some bread to feed this crowd? Deborah's at the door. They're already being fed. What about prayer? What about it, Shula? I don't like to pray out loud because I feel embarrassed around the leaders who know how to do it so much better. Ah, big words don't matter. A lot of that's for show anyway. (laughs) Don't worry about doing it in public. It's better to go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your father who sees you in secret. The same is true for giving to the needy. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. How can my right hand do something and my left hand not know? I mean give generously without thinking about it. Do not do it for show, to impress others. Don't even congratulate yourself in private. Give in humility. Come, come. All of you listening here, Pretty decent people, yes. <laughs> pretty righteous, kind of <laughs> not bad. <laughs> Let me tell you a story. Uh, there were two men that mean? went up into the temple. Excuse us, of please of Paris. Vestos, Right? goes inside to the temple and he prays this please. prayer. Please, very done. Please, we need to see Jesus. There's no room up there. He's paralyzed from the waist down. He can't stand. There there, there is definitely no room then. Simon, he deserves to hear Jesus as much as anyone else. Hello again. I'm so glad I found you. My friend, you're here. Why do you need to get closer? I saw what your master did to the leper. I know what I saw. We're trying to keep that under wraps for now. Look at this crowd. Imagine what we'd be against. Please. Please. Help me get my friend to him. Who's that company? I'll talk to them. I'll talk to them. Come with me. This widow keeps bothering me. I will see that she gets justice. There's too many people. But you know him. Can't you get us any closer? I don't want to interrupt the teacher by causing a scene. What if you were me? Wouldn't you want your friends to make a scene? It was you once. What about the roof?
0: I want to keep us in this. It's just getting good. See, Mary was concerned about interrupting the teacher. Like Jesus is doing stuff. And then the haunting question that we'll come back to at the end, what if you were me? Wouldn't you want your friends to make a scene? What are what if you were the one that was broken? What if you were the one who need to be restored? Wouldn't you do anything to get your friend to Jesus, to get you to Jesus? See, the story continues, in verse 19, when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up to the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. But not everybody was comfortable with what was happening. I want you to watch this clip. What were the homeowners concerned about? What were the rabbis, Pharisees, religious leaders concerned about? Then most importantly, what was Jesus concerned about? Take a look.
1: Put it under a basket, put it on the stand where it could light us all. Jesus of Nazareth! I saw what you did to the leper on the road this morning. My friend has been paralyzed since childhood. He has no hope but you. Please, do for him what you did for the leper. That's a rope! Put it back, man! You are willing, Rabbi, I know you can do this. Ugh. What authority do you teach? Answer me. If you are willing, Rabbi, you know you can. Hey, I'm talking to you. By whom do you teach? Certainly not the authority of any rabbi from Nazareth. Where did you study? Your faith is beautiful. Son, take heart sins are forgiven who is this who speaks blasphemies who can forgive sins but God alone right but I ask you which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk easy to say anything no but to show you and so that you may know that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins
0: Their roof put it back the religious leaders were concerned about protecting their religion and jesus was concerned about restoring the broken man in front of him that's who jesus is what was he like he didn't care about roofs he didn't care about religiosity he cared about restoring broken things broken people that's who he is See, we're about to see what it looks like when Jesus restores. And here's what it says in Luke 5, 26. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. He was healed. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. I want you to pay attention to what joy looks like. See, when you've been restored, there is joy when you're someone who brings someone you love to Jesus and he restores there is joy enjoy the close of this story
1: easy does it
0: Isn't that beautiful that's who Jesus was and that's who Jesus is see when Jesus restores broken things the response is always joy right like when Jesus restores broken things there's always joy and why does that story stir your soul like why does that story move you because deep down you have an awareness that in that story if you and I were a character We were the leper. We were the broken man, unable to fix what was broken about ourselves until we met Jesus. Like, if you're honest, you know, deep down, you have this sneaking thought, this suspicion that I am the broken character in this story. And what we just saw is what Jesus did physically for those two people. Jesus would do spiritually on the cross for all of us. See, this church is full of a bunch of broken people who Jesus restored. This church is full of a bunch of broken marriages that Jesus restored. This church is full of a bunch of former addicts that Jesus broke free from the chains of addiction and he restored. This church is full of people like that. That's what Jesus does. What was he like? He loved to restore broken things. If you could have seen who Jesus was and who he still is, he loves to restore broken things. You See, we're going to close each teaching with just a few simple observations. I could teach a thousand things. If you knew how many times I sat in this chosen episode and just thought, I could say this, I could say that, I could say this, because it's so beautiful, so captivating. But I want to talk to two groups. I want to talk to those who are followers of Jesus. And here's what that means. You were broken yourself, spiritually distant from God, and you've bowed to Jesus. and He's restored you back to your father in heaven. That's what salvation is. And you've claimed the name of Jesus. You bowed to it. That's the first group. And if if you know Jesus, listen, it's not enough to know that Jesus can restore. You have to do something about that. Go back to the lady character and the chosen that saw what Jesus could do with the leper. How cruel of her if she would have watched that play out, know she has a friend who is broken in need of restoration, of healing, and not even bring it up. See, last week, PK talked about the definition of deep. Know, be, do. And deep is not just knowing what's true. It's being like Jesus and living out, doing what is true about being a follower of Jesus. And something that I think that is broke in us is listen, we know things to be true about Jesus and yet we don't do anything about it. See, back to that haunting question: what if you were me? Wouldn't you want your friends to make a scene? And you know what I think's happened for many believers, myself included? We are unwilling to make a scene to bring our friends to Jesus. Don't, don't miss this. It, it's so complicated to think about bringing Jesus into your workplace. Students bringing Jesus into conversations at school. But you know deep down that only Jesus can restore broken things. Only Jesus can fix that marriage or that addiction or that sin condition before God. Only Jesus. And yet we hesitate to rip the roof off someone's life and say, it's only Jesus. We hesitate to make a scene because like Mary is like, I don't want to interrupt the life of what's going on around here. And maybe what God wants to do is to restore the joy of bringing people to Jesus. See, if your faith is flat and mechanical and just duty-oriented checking boxes and you go, I don't have the joy of my salvation, when's the last time you brought someone to Jesus? Because I saw the joy on the friend's face. Do you see it? Like those friends were just as full of joy as the guy who was healed. How many times have you seen someone standing next to a baptismal tub watching their son or daughter baptized going, that is joy. Friends and small small group people that stand next to the tub and go, we've been working on this guy, bringing him to Jesus for years, and they come out of that tub and we see joy. See, maybe what you need is not more knowledge of what Jesus can do, but more doing. And maybe it's time that God would awaken a church and say, listen, we're going to cause some scenes to bring our friends to Jesus. Maybe I'm going to bring up conversations that I was afraid to bring up because, listen, how many times have you sat around the lunch table at school and people bring their problems and we offer trite advice? Hey, try this, man. Toe the line. Keep, Keep going. When you know in your soul only Jesus can fix that. How many times you sat around a water cooler or at the bar after work and you're talking and this guy's like, dude, my marriage stinks and this is frustrating and dude, my finances are out of whack and I got this stuff. And you're like, hey man, think about this. Have you tried Dave Ramsey? Dave Ramsey's great, but only Jesus can restore what's broken, church. It's time that we, we, we cause a scene to bring our friends to Jesus. See, when she saw that Jesus could restore what is broken, she did whatever it took to bring their friends to Jesus. I feel like we've gotten away from that. If I had a burden for our territory, it would be that people are walking around broken and they don't even know it. And there's a bunch of us that know what Jesus can do. We know it. But we're so concerned with causing a scene that we don't even bring him up. I get it, there's a pressure. If you invite a friend to church or if you bring up Jesus in a conversation, you're like, I know what Jesus did for me, but I don't know what he'd do for them. And you start to feel the weight of, I'm responsible that if they show up to church or if I bring up Jesus, that what if it doesn't happen for them? Here's the good news. The weight is not on you. Your job is to bring people to Jesus. His job is to restore. I have never restored someone back to God. Only Jesus can do that. I've never restored broken things in people. Only Jesus can do that. The weight of restoration is on Jesus, not on you. But your job is to pick up a corner and carry a friend to Jesus. And maybe it's as simple as this. I've seen people doing this online. Maybe it's as simple as for Christmas Eve, you post, listen, I'm saving a row at the three o'clock service at my home campus. Anyone who wants to join me, let me know, I'll save you a seat. That's a first step. Get them around the things of Jesus. Bring them into the presence of God and see what he'll do. Some of you, it's, you're going to have to get bold and bring Jesus into conversations you didn't used to. When they start spilling their guts about life, you don't have to be weird and cramming it down their throat, but you can say simple things like, listen, I don't know about you, but I was like that too, but Jesus restored this in me. You don't have to have all the answers. You just tell them what Jesus restored you're not the one who restores you're the one who got up and walked away and all you gotta do is say I don't know what happened but these didn't used to work and now they do and I just gotta tell you about Jesus that's our role church how cruel for us to know what Jesus could do would do is still doing and to never go get our friend to bring him to Jesus see if I could ask our church to do one thing it would be go make a scene not making it weird but have some courage. Say, listen, whatever it takes, I'll pull a roof back if it means you get to Jesus and he restores what's broken. There's a second group I want to talk to. And as people who are spiritually unresolved, you're, you're checking out the things of Jesus. You're trying to figure out who, who Jesus really was, who he is, what his claims are, what this whole thing's about. And if you were honest, there's a part of you that feels like you are an unwelcomed interruption, annoyance, or disturbance to God. Like somewhere in your soul, there's this sense that like, listen, I'm, I'm broken. If you knew my past relationships, I made mistakes and I'm broken from them. Past decisions, I'm broken past mistakes. And I, I I don't, I don't think God has any interest in me. I'm a mess. What does he want with me? And if I, if I reach out to God, it's just an interruption. It's just an annoyance. I gotta, I gotta clean myself up before I come to Jesus. He, what would you want with me? Maybe right now the Holy Spirit's bringing conviction and you're looking at yourself for the first time, realizing you are a mess. We were too. <laughs> and maybe the way you viewed God is that He was annoyed with you, He didn't have the time of day for you. And what you saw in this story is that everybody on that scene was low key annoyed with the distraction of the guy coming through the roof. The homeowners were concerned that their property was being damaged. The religious leaders were concerned because their livelihood through religion was sort of getting messed up. And Jesus was focused on the person in front of him that needed to be restored. See what this story screams to you is this, listen, Jesus loves you. It's a children's song, you've sung it a hundred times, it's like well, that's simple. It is the most profound statement you will ever hear. Jesus loves you just like you are. And as you watched Jesus, as everyone else was was annoyed and distracted by the man coming down, you watched Jesus' eyes as he's lowered. As everyone else is shouting on, Jesus is focused here. See, maybe God would awaken you to the joy of salvation through Jesus today. Listen, John three sixteen, the most famous verse of all times. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Listen, you're not a distraction. You are the object of God's love. You're not an annoyance and, a, and an offshoot of what God's agenda was. You are the agenda. Why did Jesus come to earth? For you, you, you're not plan C-D-E-F on his list. You see, Mary was so concerned. I don't want to interrupt Jesus' teaching. And Jesus was like, I didn't come just to teach. I came to seek and save the lost. You are not an annoyance or distraction to Jesus. You are the reason he came. And maybe you sit here. You're watching online. You're sitting in a 12-stone home. And you have never considered Jesus because you've always thought... He doesn't want me. Listen, he left heaven and came here because he wanted you so much. And only Jesus can restore you back to the Father. See, we celebrate Jesus' birth on Christmas. We celebrate what happened on the cross on Easter, that he died and rose again. And because of his blood poured out, he can cover the brokenness and heal what is broken in here and restore you back to God the Father, how it was always intended to be. So you across the campuses and in home where pastors are going to step up. And maybe you showed up here and what God wants to do is restore the joy of your salvation. You've walked with him, you've checked the boxes, and maybe God wants to restore the joy. And when you bring a friend to Jesus, there's no joy like that. And maybe God brought you here because you've never said yes. And for the first time, maybe you're sitting here saying, I actually understand that Jesus loves me. And your only response, do you notice the embrace after being restored? Your only response is to say, thank you.